0: I always like night flying, I think, the best, because it was just so peaceful. Oh, yeah.
1: night flying. Yeah, have we not even talked about that yeah. yet? Yeah. Tell us about night flying.
0: Night flying is just awesome. I mean, I don't know. I always remember just going up there, you know, and you're flying solo or by yourself. You just go up there and just, you know what it Like, even if you're flying visual flight rules, you can just see, like, the next city, like, way out from the distance. Yeah. So.
1: Hello and welcome to Lancelot's Roundtable. When I was probably six or nine, super young, I was on a field trip, first time going to the airport, but it was a field trip, school field trip to the airport. There was just this one moment that just seared into my mind where the lady who was taking us around showing us things, she pointed to this guy that had the suit, the hat, uh, and he was walking towards us down like this long hallway, it was probably pretty epic in my mind, but he... The lady said something like, that's Captain So-and-so, he's a really good pilot, and he's not afraid to say that we're not going to fly if he thinks that it's going to be too dangerous. This would have been like 80s, so this was quite a while ago. But that just seared into my mind, and then uh, probably the second thing I would point to is going TV shopping. My oldest brother and I were with my dad after some TV had broken, and it had been like a week, I think. I think my dad went to every single place that sold TVs and asked about a million questions at every single store about the TVs. No idea what he t- what he was asking, but at this particular place, Top Gun was playing on every single TV, and I had never seen it. Obviously, I wouldn't have been allowed to, to see the movie, but it was playing probably, I don't know, maybe an edited version. But <laughs> Dad asked so many questions that I don't know when in the movie, It was when we got there because the movie was already going so my brother Todd figured out a snazzy idea he got really close to a tv on his right side to listen to the speakers because all the tvs were turned down really low but he he got close to one so he was able to actually hear the movie and uh we were just we just sat there the whole time my dad talked to the salesperson and by the end of it movie ended but then it started back up so I didn't see the whole movie then but that was my first time. You know, seeing Top Gun And from that point on, I think I had a dream of becoming a fighter pilot And uh, I did end up going to school to become a pilot If you listen to one of the recent episodes You understand that that did not end up panning out But I was in flight school for about two and a half years And they are some of my most cherished memories by far So today, I have the honor and the privilege to welcome uh, one of the guys that was actually in the flight school with me at the Don Scott University or the Ohio State University Airport, Don Scott Airport. Ben, welcome to the roundtable. Hey, thanks, Lance. I'm excited and pumped to be here Talked about aviation,
0: our aviation <laughs> past with you. So, Yes.
1: How so, many years has it been since you flew? Do you know? Uh, the last time I touched an airplane was 2006. 2006. I yeah. think I was maybe a year and a half to two years before that. I, I was done in 2004, 2005. Okay. Did you do all of the training? Yep. I you did, got through uh, all yeah, the Yeah, so I was,
0: uh, when we did the program, I was actually grandfathered. I was one of the last people to do, you didn't have to do your multi-engine mm-hmm. right. uh, rating. So I only did my single engine commercial. It was the highest level I got, so. Nice. So you never did the instructor? Nope. Didn't want to do that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> there. Yeah, I mean, I kind of remember back then just thinking about what I wanted to do once I got the commercial done, because I did not really want to be, do the do the flight training stuff. Yeah, I don't remember which instructor it was that it was one of the last instructors that I had. But he worked at Safelight. Mm-hmm. In addition to it, and he basically told me like how, how they just didn't make anything, and they all basically had to have second jobs. Yeah, I'm like man, how are we gonna, how yeah. are we gonna get enough hours to, to, to get going? Anyway, so what what was what got you into aviation? Like when like you ended up obviously at the flight school with me yeah. with several others. Yeah. So what was your reasoning to to getting into it?
0: Um, I mean, I think like you, like at early age, I was, um, I think my my first flight. As a kid on a commercial airline, it was actually TWA.
1: Really? Yeah.
0: Wow. So we used to live in Oklahoma, and every winter, every Christmas, we'd go up to my grandparents' house and visit them. So we would fly TWA up there. Mm-hmm. I remember my first flight just being, you know, mesmerized by the whole experience. This, I got to sit, my parents made me, or allowed me to sit in the window seat and just like, Going through the clouds and just flying on top of the clouds, it was just like this is awesome.
1: There's nothing, nothing <laughs> no, like it, nothing, nothing like, like that. that first time. How old were you? Do you remember?
0: I was probably, uh, probably seven, maybe. So just searing your
1: mind, looking out the window. Yeah. It, was it morning, evening, or was it a day day flight?
0: Uh, I think. But the first one was like a day flight. So, but it was overcast. I mean, so you'd go up. You know, you're flying right on top of the clouds. So you see There's the sun. It's awesome.
1: Yeah, there's just nothing like oh, that. Looking right. down, there's just clouds below you and open sky above you. Right. I remember going on, I think it was, oh, we, we went down on like a couple trips to Honduras for a relief work after a couple hurricanes, and mm-hmm. that was the first time flying over just open ocean. Yeah. And that was kind of wild, just right. looking down and being like. Not there's nothing there but just, water. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> as far as you can see. So then how did you end up at OSU? So, were you, were you yeah, in Columbus and,
0: before? Uh, yeah, so I, I lived in, before I went to college, I was in Cleveland in okay. high school, and I actually had no, no really clear idea what I wanted to do for, for, for a career. Yeah. Um, but in high school, I had a couple of computer classes, and I thought that's what I wanted to do. So I entered, mm. went to Ohio State as a computer science major. Wow, okay. Um, and then, you know, my first year, you do all of the prerequisites, and so you don't really get into it until maybe your second year. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so that was like all calculus physics that you were taking. I don't know if it was, yeah, some math, some of that math Uh, stuff.
0: Most of it was general education courses. Got it. Um, but once I took the first class, I, I realized it was not for me. Yeah. I actually hated it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so pretty quick
1: you figured it out and. Yeah. So I didn't
0: know, to know I was stuck. I was like, I don't know what I want to do. Yeah. Um, so I kept taking classes, not knowing what I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, so when I got to my third year, uh, I moved in with a group of guys in the house off campus. And, uh-huh. and uh, when I started my third year, I was just like, taking classes that I thought was... I took, a, I think, a logistics course and didn't like it. Yep. I just, like, faded out pretty quickly. I was not motivated to take... Yeah. <laughs> actually failed one of my classes. Yep. <clears throat> and then I, when I went home for uh, winter break, I was like... I don't think I want to go back. I That's just, a smart decision, I think. Yeah. So I did, decided to drop out, uh-huh. and I had to make the decision about what I wanted to do. I mean, I, had to, I knew I wanted had to. I mean, I had to find a job. So. Yep. I think I had like three options. I told myself I could either stay in Cleveland, yep. find a job, and then find a replacement for my my lease that I was responsible for. I could go back to Columbus, find a job, and you know make it work. So yeah. Decided to go back to Columbus and try to make it work, so I went back to Columbus and I found a job um, working for a residence in, mm-hmm. like, by Marriott, actually by the continent.
1: Okay, yeah. So, the
0: problem is I had no car, so I had to take oh, uh, wow. I had to take Dakota bus Wow. to work. Two buses. Two buses to get yeah. to work. and luckily wow. I had the
1: student ID you could get on for free, so that, that oh, kind of saved Oh, that's right. Yeah. I wonder if that still, it has to still be a thing. I, I, I would assume so, but yeah, I don't know. So, were you still living with the same guys? I was at yeah. this point in time, Yeah. kind of close to campus, I imagine. Yeah, taking the bus, yeah, two times a day to residence right. in. Yeah, what'd you do there? Uh, front
0: desk, front desk, did front work. desk. Yeah, Central so phones, checking people. How long did that last?
1: That was probably a year and a half. Okay. Um, yeah, year and a half. And were you thinking about during that time like different things that you wanted to do? Yeah,
0: I knew. Uh, yeah, I was trying to figure it out. You know, but. I, I think my my idea is that I always came back to doing something in aviation so, mm-hmm. so that's you know what I love to do or loved about it. Yeah. But I didn't think pilot was an option because it was way too expensive I couldn't afford it so. Yep. Um So anyway, I started taking uh some classes at Columbus State mm-hmm. and eventually I found this class called um I don't remember what it was called, but it was it was like Aircraft Mechanics 101 or something like that. Yeah, okay. So the class was actually at Bolton Field. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. So it was a night class. So I, I started going to that class, and it was right at the airport. And we got to go in the hangar and kind of mess around with some stuff. And I was like, yeah, this is great. Yeah. But then I would sit out in the parking lot and see people, see the the pilots land and, and practice and stuff. And I was like, I think I want to do that. Yeah.
1: Cool. <laughs> That's amazing. My first experience at a hangar was actually in flight school, but it was very, very, very similar. All of a sudden, you're just in the environment, and you just see planes everywhere, and Mm -hmm. then people are, like, walking around. It's very chill. It's not like going to, like, a regular big airport because you can't go anywhere. Yeah. But so this was a mechanics class. There was a a full-on certification that you could do at Columbus State back in the day. I'm sure it still is there where you could become an aircraft mechanic. Right. Yeah, so that was basically the first class that you were taking. Yeah, right. Then, 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 what happens in the journey? Uh, So once I decided that, I was like, "How am I going to make this work
0: financially?" Yep. Um, So I decided uh, I needed a higher-paying job. So I started looking around, and I found um, saw these ads for FedEx. Mm -hmm. So I applied for it, and pretty much, you know, just had to like pick up a. 50 pound box and they're like right, you're hired (laughs) as long as you pass your drug test you're in (laughs) yeah 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 so um, you know eventually I got a car and so I was able to like drive down there and and do that so it was very physical labor but it paid you know it started out at nine dollars but you can you know after the first year you can make a dollar more so it was like ten dollars so I think at the at the hotel, I was making probably like eight fifty or an hour or something like yeah. that, so not much, much. So this was a, lot, a step up. So yeah. I started out doing that part-time, and then eventually I quit the, the hotel thing and started doing the FedEx thing. And so
1: you were doing both for a time? Yeah, I started wow. doing
0: both for a time. And then <clears throat> FedEx also had tuition reimbursement, That's so right. that was also a plus. So I knew I wanted to go – once I knew what I wanted to do, I knew that – once I went back to Iowa State, that would help yes. as far as that. So, um, so once I saved up a little bit of money, I went down back to Bolton and they had a flight school there. Okay, right. um, so I took an introductory flight and it was like, yep, this is what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> My first flight, um, so then I signed up and got an instructor and kind of started that process. And I kind of paid as I went. Wow. So it at was like, Bolton though, you weren't in OSU. Yeah. I was in OSU. Wow. Uh, so it took me a whole year to get my private.
1: So what, because what, this, is, this is a fascinating memory for me, my first time flying yeah. in a small aircraft. Yeah. Where, so you get your introductory <clears throat> flight. Mm-hmm. You're at the runway. You're not probably allowed not to touch the controls. No. No, you're not, he's not letting you even touch the controls. So he takes off. What was that feeling like? Uh, it was different because yeah. you're, you're used to big planes and you yeah. take off and you're like feeling a lot of the sensations. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's literally what I remember because I I remember getting into the 152 at OSU, yeah. which is a Cessna 152. That's a very small plane, but like a two-seater. And immediately I was like, this is like climbing into a tin can mm-hmm. and it's got a propeller attached to it. I'm about to be up in the air. Literally everything is just surrounding you. You're 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 crunched in there. I'm a short guy, yeah. But I still felt like it was tight. I'm pretty sure when I started it was cold out too, so I think I had a winter coat on. Um, but yeah, like the taxiing process was kind of it was both exhilarating and kind of like nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. And then when we took off, mm-hmm. as soon as the mm-hmm. as soon as those wheels came off the ground, I, I was just I was on the edge of my seat. But I just I remember taking in every single mm-hmm. yeah. Every single moment. Um, yeah. So you're at Bolton. You're, you're taking classes, paying as you go. How mm-hmm. far did you get there? Uh, so far as where? Like how, many, like how many hours did you do there? Oh. Um, did you get your solo there? Yeah, I got my solo there. So I went through the whole, all the way until I got my private. So
0: Okay. Um, so I, I was only flying maybe once or twice a week. Okay. Um, so it took me, I don't know how many hours. It probably took me close to over 50 between 50 and 60 hours, I think. Taking privates? Yeah. Yeah. Because I just took
1: a longer time and it's just like. I think I took 70. <clears throat> oh, really? <laughs> I think I took like 70 or 80. But yeah, I, I can remember getting to the 20 <clears throat> hour mark and feeling like, man, I'm not even close to rate to solo. Yeah. And it would just be something where I would go in and, like, it would be too icy, like nobody was flying. Then I would go in and I would be at the bottom of the seniority. Yeah. So there would only be four planes. I was number eight, so I mm. couldn't fly that day. Come back in the next day, weather's bad again. Yeah. Come in the next day, there's only two planes because they all had to go to maintenance. So uh, there was a couple times where I didn't fly for, like, two weeks. And then it was just very, like, starting back at the ground level. Yeah. It felt like. So you... Probably had the same instructor the whole time at Boulder. I did, yeah. And then it was, was it like his own thing or was it like a larger flight school?
0: No, it was a, it was a regular flight school. Uh, okay. They probably had uh, eight, I don't know how many planes they had, seven or eight planes maybe. Did one you 72's? run into those
1: types of issues though, or you would like. Yeah.
0: No. Um, one of them actually, one of the planes was like the 7095 radio, like they'd go up and do the weather rep- or traffic reports. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, I got to fly that a, couple, a few times. Sweet. Uh, some big radio thing in the back. and <laughs> ways, It's a completely different flying experience with that, all that equipment in yeah, the back. no but, doubt. Yeah.
1: No doubt.
0: But, yeah, it was, uh, it was all 172, so I didn't start in the 152 until I went to OSU. Um, okay. So I night I never had a problem with uh, getting the plane.
1: Did you fly the 152s with your private's license? Because like, you came over to OSU then with your private license. Yeah, I private.
0: started flying the 152 when I came over.
1: You did? Okay. Yeah. And then Just briefly, and instrument. then I went right into
0: instrument, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, so, okay, that makes sense. Because I'm, mm. I'm pretty sure all of the instrument training was in... 172, yeah. 172. Yeah. So when I was there and you were there, you, you are, I don't think I even knew that. You already had your private yeah, license I already and ran, you were yeah. already doing your instrument So rating. they made
0: me take the aviation 101, was that the class we were in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep.
1: They made yeah. me take that so that would have been at, so like i did ground school as a class at osu mm. and then we went right into the training rick Trowbridge was my first instructor i don't know how i remembered his name i can't remember anybody else's name except for, sometimes i can remember the assistant flight director his oh, name. ed ed thanks yes the ed the <laughs> ed yeah i took i took mm. my private test flight with him and I did my oral exam. So the flight exam and the oral exam was with him. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah, I'm
0: sure
1: <laughs> <laughs> I remember him. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's not a easy guy to forget. So, so you're, you're doing the whole aviation thing there. Mm-hmm. What was your plan? Did you want to be an airline pilot?
0: Yeah. I think that was my goal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I knew some people who worked for Southwest and they, you know, they rated how great the company was and a great company to work for. So, yeah. Um, yeah.
1: I think that was what, my that was my goal once we started getting going because I think we got introduced to a lot of people from Southwest and yeah. then you heard about the culture and how they wear their polo shirts they don't have to wear that full on get up yeah I knew right away I wouldn't look good in that hat yeah that those that those pilots gotta wear <laughs> but when I originally started in the flight program I was looking at Delta because Delta was I think it was the highest pay I think their their pilots were the highest paid pilots at the time I don't know where I heard that it was either between them and Southwest. But the funny thing is you go to flight. I went to flight school thinking when I got out, I would be qualified to like fly professionally and make money for it. Yeah. But it's just, as you know, it's not that easy. Right. So, um, I'll just tell the folks when you get done with flight school as a civilian, so you didn't, you didn't go into the military and get trained to fly. You're, you're paying for everything like Ben described. You're paying for everything out of pocket uh, for myself, it was i couldn 't make enough money, so I was taking out loans um, to pay for the flight lessons and a decent portion of college before I had gone to issue. I was paying for everything out of pocket because I went to Columbus State okay. like you did so I did I think two and a half years at Columbus State. It was a very similar story mm-hmm. where I had no idea what I wanted to do. I kind of feel like maybe we shouldn 't be going to college if we don 't want what we want to do. Yeah, I agree. I feel like we shouldn't be paying. I think I wasted a lot of money just yeah. <laughs> taking whatever if I knew what I wanted to do. And the counselors weren't any help. I remember sitting down with a Columbus state counselor and I asked the counselor at Columbus state, I was like, I think I want to be a writer, like write books. She's like, well, you could, you could major in journalism. And I was like, I don't want to write newspaper <laughs> articles. So I started just taking like, just like you, just the basic classes. Cause I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then at some point, I met a, I met a pilot. He was actually at the church I was going to at the time. Uh, I don't remember what airline he flew for, but it was one of the smaller ones. So, like one of the ones that gets subsidized, like yeah. a subsidy of Delta or whatever. When yeah. when it's like going to a small hub, right? But anyway, he was just telling me. He's like, "No, I didn't. I didn't go in the military. I I did it all on my own. You just go to go to class." So that's when I figured mm-hmm. that out. That's when I ended up. I was still at Columbus State, but that's when I knew what I wanted to do. So I. Figured out what I would be majoring in at OSU. Figured out how many classes I could take at the State. Finished it out, and then I transferred over. Mm-hmm. And I think I flew for two and a half years. Uh, I got well. I got my private pilot's license. I did the first. I did the first commercial class. Do you remember that one with the spin training? Oh yes, the <laughs> spin training. Yes. <laughs> which, which plane did you fly in? Uh, this the one fifty two. You flew the, a one fifty
0: two for that one. The spin class. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Grobe, I think they had just either wasn't available or it was down Got when, it. I, when it was my turn. Um figures.
1: Yeah. So I had to do it on one fifty two. So Yeah. Did you do was it like a full hour and a half for you?
0: Uh, I don't remember. It was a long time. It was hot. It was in the like oh. middle of the summer. <laughs> and like after like I don't know, forty five minutes I'm like, all right, I think I've had enough. <laughs> yeah, I think I
1: need to stop. I went up with again it was after i I was I I had switched to a new instructor, not like on purpose or whatever. There's just like how it how it happened, but uh, it was in the grobe. Mm. I couldn't remember the name of it until you said it. But it was the first time flying a stick because all the others had the yoke. Yeah, and I think it was the same thing. I about the 45 minute mark. So guys, when when you're doing the spin class. Basically, what it is, is you have to learn how to recover from uh, your plane being in a spin. Like, and it's what it sounds no, like. Nose down, spin. Nose down, yeah. Looking at the ground, spinning. spinning. You're looking at the ground, <laughs> spinning. You're feeling all the sensations. And I think though the way it happened to me, tell me if this is what happened to you. Was, maybe my memory is a little bit mm-hmm. skewed. But I'm pretty sure for the majority of them, I had to, like, look down while the instructor put it into the spin. And then I had to recover. Yeah. That's okay, so that's right. I think so. Um, so yeah, just imagine that. You're looking down at your lap, you're not allowed to look outside, and then your instructor isn't really like saying, Okay, we're about to do it now, get ready. It's literally just like when they feel like it, they just put you right into a spin and then they take their hands off of everything. Right. Their hands and feet off of everything, so it's your job to like look up, look at your instruments, try not to look too much outside and recover the airplane while you're spiraling towards the ground. And that's what you do. Yeah. Over and over and over. Took yeah. For like forty five minutes and it was right about that same time I was I started getting started yeah. getting real nauseated. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I don't I need and he's he's like my instructor's like, okay, well we gotta do like more, otherwise <laughs> you don't you don't pass this requirement, whatever the requirement was. So we just flew for a little bit, just kept everything straight and then slowly my stomach started to feel better. And then yeah. I was like, okay, I think I'm good. We did one more, and then I was like, I think I can push out one more. I think I can do one more. So we did one more, and that, that did it. Yeah, I was like, after I recovered at that time, I was like, I'm not going to make it. And mm. so I ended up puking in with the, the airsick bag. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, I'm ready to go. He's like, nope, we're going back. Yeah. Which, why wouldn't he? I mean, because right. you remember, we always talked about if that happened, like it's very typical that the other person will end up getting sick. Right. The flight instructor did not, but that's pr- if you're flying and you're doing these types of maneuvers and then you're, the person with you throws mm-hmm. up, there's a good chance you're going to do it too. Yeah. So you didn't get sick on yours.
0: No, I got close though.
1: You did get close. Yeah. Did you hear about, cause they, everybody was talking about it when we got back that I puked. No, I didn't hear about that. You didn't hear about that. That's good. Yeah. No. That's good. My reputation might have been saved partially. I'm
0: sure you weren't the first one, though. Yeah, there's no <laughs> way
1: I was the first one, but I felt so relieved after that was done. Yeah. Okay, also for the commercial class, you had to do a 250-mile cross-country flight. Yeah. Is it nautical mile?
0: Nautical mile, yeah.
1: Yeah. So where did you go?
0: I went to Bloomington, Illinois. You went to Illinois. Yeah. How long was the flight for you? Oh, man.
1: Um, round trip. Yeah. It's like five hours, maybe? Yeah, sounds right. I think mine was, I went to Buffalo, New York. Okay. Uh, that was an awesome flight. I, the, my introverted self really enjoyed that flight because you're yeah. just sitting there flying. Nobody's talking to you. Nobody can call you. You're just thinking. You can't yeah. listen to the radio. You right. can't listen to music. No. You're just up there enjoying the clouds and yeah. the birds. It's you and your thoughts. You and your thoughts. So what was your, what was your favorite part of the training? Because you went the whole way through, man.
0: Favorite part? Um, I think I enjoyed a little bit of each part, but I mean, I I enjoyed the instrument part. I got to do a lot of actual instrument flying in the clouds. Mm, That's awesome. So I had a lot of, like, flying in minimums, down to minimums with an instructor, but they wouldn't let me do down to minimums by myself, but (laughs) yeah. So I have a, you know, I started an instrument in the fall, and I got a lot of opportunity to do that. So
1: oh yeah, fall would be perfect. Huh? Yeah. So tell tell people that don't know the terminology, flying down to minimum. Talk talk us through what that. So actually yeah, looks when like.
0: you're flying in, in, in you know, bad weather or in the clouds, pretty much. Yep. Uh, you have a certain minimum height you can go down to. Mm-hmm. If you don't see the runway by then, you have to either go around and try it again, or go to a different airport. So you're not allowed yeah. to land unless you
1: have met. The minimum height requirements. Yep. So, <clears throat> I mean, that that's just something because, like, that was part one of the most interesting aspects of the training. So, before I started doing the instrument rating, that's when I ended up leaving the program <clears throat> it's shortly after I had started that. But just flying only looking at instruments, that is so critical because we learned all that stuff about how it's very easy to get delirious. Yeah, not even necessarily delirious, but your your sense of direction and your sense of up and down yeah. when you can't see anything just gets so so messed up. Oh yeah, you so, don't know if you're even
0: flying straight level.
1: Yeah, sometimes. So like, what was like the minimum height where you were coming in? You're looking. Was it like 800 feet? you are looking to down,
0: see it. It was like maybe a few hundred feet. A Few hundred feet. Okay. Three hundred feet. Maybe. So you're
1: super close to the ground in this situation. Yeah. And if you don't see a <clears throat> runway, you've got to trust your instruments. Yeah. And then make you have to make the call right, and it's it's interesting because if you're like in there and you're like, "I just want to land, you don't want to even think about going to a whole other airport, right it's just not you even have your to be airplane. prepared for it <laughs> yeah, you have to be prepared to make that hard call like i I'm, yeah. I'm okay i'm I don't see the runway, I'm going to get my altitude back up and' I'm, and you're talking with people obviously the whole right. time, yeah uh with with air traffic control, yeah. Uh, that was actually one of my least favorite parts about the flying was the air traffic control communication. Yeah, particularly when they would it can give Could be intimidating you, if you don't know. Yeah. Yes, if they just gave you like the the normal like short instructions, but we went to a, it was it was a time that my first time going to a Class B airport. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if it was Dayton. No, was it a Class B? I think Dayton's a Class C. C. It would have been a Class C because yeah, yeah, that's what Columbus is. Columbus Class C was, C. but they gave us like. Oh just this long list of instructions that was basically i think from like when you land taxi here taxi here taxi here oh, then yeah. here then here then here, and then you have to repeat it all back right. in basically the same way that they just told you and i just got i got lost i was trying to write it down so the instructor i don't remember who i was with but yeah. they ended up having to get it but that was just kind of nerve-wracking right did, did you, you have any of those types of experience uh yeah a few times yeah 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 not not very enjoyable what was your favorite plane that you flew over the course of time paper plane sort of like type or are you talking about like, like the like a tail no, number like the <laughs> ones no like the the type so like a 172 yeah. or the
0: yeah I, I enjoyed the 172 that's what i learned in that's what i was most comfortable in same um when i did a commercial i, I started flying the Piper arrows yeah that was a cool plane uh, it was very different but i enjoyed that one as well that was still a yoke right
1: yeah, Yoke. Yeah. I was one of the first people to fly the, the new airplanes. Yeah, when those came out, I was working. I, I was out of the program, mm-hmm. but I was working uh, for the ground team. Okay. I, I was basically like driving the little carts around yeah. and showing planes where to land. Okay. But I remember looking at that fleet of Pipers and being like, man, those are beauties. Yeah. And, and wishing I could fly one. So you did get to fly them.
0: Yeah. Did my, my yeah, my entire commercial was in, in those planes. That's awesome. Yeah, they had glass like,
1: cockpit. Yeah, so and they uh, probably had like the full on like GPS systems. Yeah. So I remember when they upgraded those in the 172s. First time I used one of those upgraded GPS systems. Yeah. I was like, this is flying.
0: Yeah. Even have a uh, traffic avoidance. So any planes in your body to let you know.
1: Yeah, it's crazy.
0: Yeah. All that you can technology. get up to ten thousand pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Ten thousand feet. Yeah. Really. Yeah. See I missed all I missed all that. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it felt like mm. the planes that we were flying, the one seventy twos especially, felt old. They were. Like in the fifties? Yeah. Like they got know? a whole 50s? new fleet now with you they do. Yeah. Figures. They they probably used our money to buy that probably. fleet. Probably. Probably. <laughs> yeah. So, um, when did you walk away from flying? What was that process like?
0: I didn't want to walk away with it. I think it was like life forced me out of it. Mm-hmm. Um so once I graduated there was no like there's no bridge to get you to the next level. Yes. So you had to figure that out. So I knew I knew had to get my multi. Yep. Um, so I was like, well, I'll just work for a little bit, save up some money, and then do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I did. I found a job at NetJets. And then they had a flight school program where you can fly the Cessna 310, which is a multi-engine. Really? For like $60 an hour.
1: Are you serious?
0: Yeah. Just that because you're an plan.
1: employee or what? Yeah,
0: I'm an employee. Wow. So that was my plan. But then 2008 happened and then it got shut down because of the financial crisis. Yep. So that plan went up the smoke.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 2008. Yeah. That time frame. Mm. I think Mm. I was working. I was out of college and I was working at a bank, I think, at that point. I was working at Huntington Bank. So basically you were doing stuff at NetJets, the company. Mm. What did you do there?
0: I was a crew resource planner, so it was mostly building pilot schedules, sending them to training. Uh, I dealt a lot with the check airmen, mm-hmm. uh, so I'd fly the airline them to wherever the pilots were, and
1: then they'd check them mm-hmm. on a ferry flight. Yep. Um, so, yeah, those were the kind of things I did. So you did that, you got to do a little bit of training, and then 2008, all of that went away. Then, mm-hmm. then what was your game plan?
0: And then um, after that, I got married the year afterwards. Okay. And then we were like in debt because of
1: <laughs> Yep. <laughs> most of it was mine from flying. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Kim's over here. She's like, I don't know anything about that means marrying a person who's super in debt. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was, I had a couple different loans out, but I think it was 60. I think I was 60. That's yeah. why, I, that's why I had to leave. Cause I was like, yeah, if I finish this, I'm going to be eighty to a hundred thousand dollars in debt. And yeah. like you said, there's no bridge to the next thing. Right. So what am I gonna do with this degree? You
0: could do uh, you know, flight
1: instructing, but you're making poverty level money. Yes. <laughs> I think one of the guys one of the instructors <clears throat> told me he's like, Yeah, last year I made six thousand dollars doing this job. Yeah. So you can't you can't make a living. Right. And it's you're basically like a contractor too, so like there's no benefits, no health insurance or anything. No, so no. all the instructors that I, I think all the instructors that were at OSU all had second jobs. Oh yeah, they all did. Yeah, yeah. So where were we at? Um, oh, the the. So you had kids. You
0: had debt. Yeah, we had debt. I didn't have kids at the time, but oh, we. No kids uh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. We were close to eighty thousand dollars in debt. Yep. And then we, our church, had out the Dave Ramsey program. Yep. So we started that, and we were like, Yeah, we're gonna get out of debt. <laughs> yeah. So, we focused all our energy and paying off debt, and we did it in like three and a half years. No way. Yeah. Wow. Super focused. Uh, stopped going out to eat. Yep. We even made our own laundry detergent.
1: Are you serious? Yeah. What? Did you, what? Did you need your own laundry detergent? I don't know. We
0: just... I don't know. Kristen, my wife, figured out a way to do it, so... That's
1: amazing. Yeah. That's resourcefulness right there. Yeah. So, Shout we out paid out it Kristen. off in three and a half
0: years, and then I just... Uh, and then we had our first kid after that. Uh-huh. Bought a house, and uh-huh. then... You know, we just not, never got back into flying. Yeah. So now
1: I'm too old to get back into it. So Yeah, same, same. There was a guy at the other church that we went mm-hmm. to for a little while um, who had his own aerial photography business. Yeah. So he had, at, at the height, he told me he had several, I think he had a couple pilots that were working for him. He had a couple planes and then with the drones the drones mm. started to, that sounds so like a sci-fi movie yeah. the drones basically started taking all of that work and so slowly but surely at all all of his work started to go away so last time i had talked to him he was trying to find other ways of of making money because it didn't seem like it was going to stay afloat but he had asked yeah. me he's like do you want to go fly with me sometime and i was like yes i do because mm-hmm. i had i hadn't flown since then yeah couldn't find my headset wow Couldn't find my headset. I think at some point during either one of the moves that we did, or I don't even think I had them with me. I'm pretty sure they were at my parents' house or something, but however many years ago that that's been, I tried to find them like four years ago, and my parents didn't know where they were. I didn't know where they were. So I, I never went flying with them. There was like a that was like a one time opportunity, and like I was looking around mm-hmm. the basement for my headset, couldn't find him. Yeah. So have you have you been in a plane? Not an airline, but obviously like you've been in an, on an airline. But have you been on a in a small plane?
0: Uh, I, th- I think one other time, I got one chance to go with a friend of mine. Okay. Um, but yeah, not really. Yeah.
1: Do you ever get the itch? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I miss it sometimes for sure. Same when we When I walked away from it from the money for, because of the money, I had to get I had to write the letter and hand it, I had to give it to the flight director again, Jim, maybe I think that was his name, Jim anyway, it doesn't matter. I had to give that to him. That was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do because I did not like quitting stuff back then yeah um and then it was it was really hard for me. My family, my parents, they live really close to Don Scott Airport, so we'd see them flying over. I yeah. used to always, like, spot the house whenever I was flying. So I, I can remember just being so bummed out, like, not even being able to, like, look up yeah. at the planes. I think I, I definitely could do it now, though. I would love to get back, but yeah. it's so expensive. Yeah. It's just it's not even realistic. So anyway, what are you doing these days?
0: Right now, I, well, I left NetJets about a year and a half ago and to start my own business, and now I own my own travel agency, so I've been nice. doing that. Yeah. What's that called? Uh, ben Tennis Dream Vacations. And how do people find it? You can just uh, Google, or you can find me on Google or Instagram, or I'm about to start a YouTube channel, so nice. it's Ben Dream Vacations. Okay. Uh, so you can find me there. Um, so you're helping people do some vacationing. Yeah.
1: Uh, I sell fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> how i like to put it
1: yeah that's that's amazing i i remember i wanted to go to europe when i was finishing mm-hmm. up college so i we found i don't remember how we found it, personally but it was very much like you just this person in the area that yeah. is a travel they were travel agents or whatever yeah and dude they set they set us up they found like really affordable plane tickets mm-hmm. they they helped me know like Because I was like, I didn't really have a a huge plan, so they were like, okay, well, we recommend if you want to go visit these cities, let's go ahead and have you start off in Paris, and then we'll get your flight back out of London, if you can figure out everything in the middle. Okay. But he also was like, do you want a car? You can rent a car. Here's the amount to rent a car, and you can just drive around all of Europe. Yeah. Um, He's like, you should take this ferry across the channel from France to England, and then you get to see the White Cliffs. So like he gave us all of these options. We didn't do the rental or the or the um, or the ferry, but it was it took it just took all the int- intimidation factor away. Yeah. So is that v- similar to what you
0: do? Yeah. I mean, I do. Yeah, I do all the details. Um, if anything, you know, if you have problems with it, I'm the one that resolves them for you. So there's no stress on you. Yep. And yeah. That's awesome.
1: So hopefully people are going to start taking vacations again soon. Yeah.
0: I think that I've seen signs of people starting to want to travel again, especially those who have the vaccine already. They're like more comfortable to travel now.
1: Yep. And it doesn't have to be international either, right? No. Like you'll set people up with yeah. like something in the states too. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I just I mean I'm thinking back to This has got me thinking back all all about like all the all the flying. Yeah. Um I remember did you uh, ever you were not yeah you you probably weren't. A, I was on the uh the Ohio State flight team too. You were. Yeah. No, I had so many things. I was teaching karate. Yeah. I had my own business doing that. I was volunteering Okay. uh at a I was volunteering at our church for for different things. I I I almost a couple times I almost got on the on the flight team but I felt like I couldn't do the the level of commitment. Yeah. So what how were you on the flight team the whole time? Yeah. So Four years when I went back to OSU, yeah, it was four years. So, tell folks
0: what that looks like. So, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty much a you train for a flight competition with other schools. So, there's like a regional contest uh, every year, and then there's a national competition. Mm-hmm. So, as long as you, you're like the top three te- teams in your regional division, then you go on to the nationals. So, uh, OSU hosted like a bunch of them. Yeah. So, uh, but it was a good experience. I got the you know some free flight hours out of it. Right. And you get to hone in on more of your skills as a pilot. Yep. So it was, it was beneficial for
1: me. Yeah. How, are, how did you guys do with the competitions?
0: Yeah, we did pretty well. Um, I think we placed, like, usually at the national competition, there was at least 30 teams or more. Mm-hmm. So we always placed like in top 15 usually.
1: Yep. That's so. Awesome. Yeah, I was surprised because not knowing mm. much about the OSU program when I got there, I found out that th- that the flight teams over the yeah over the history of the different classes, the flight teams were actually pretty good. Yeah. Know, in terms of the competition, several times I think they won. They won the national level, I yeah. believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that would have been that would have been awesome. I remember Nate Spar. Yeah. That name comes to mind. He, I remember him being on the flight. Yeah, we were roommates. You were. Yeah. I Nate's know plan. that. Yeah. That's hilarious. Didn't yeah. he go on well, like isn't he a pilot? Like, yeah, he works for line?
0: NetJets. He flies for NetJets. Wow.
1: That's the dream. That was the dream. I used to go to the schedule. You did?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was like calling yeah. me up, like, hey, I got this thing. What, did, do, what like, was his bridge?
1: How did he get how did he get from did was he uh, did he do a flight instructing? What did he do?
0: No, he went um So after flight school he went down and actually, he worked. He worked for NetJets uh, International down in Savannah, and then nice. afterwards, he went on to uh, got a job on at PSA. What's that? It's like a re- like it's a commuter. Got it. Commuter regional, so smaller, yeah. Or, yeah, smaller. Yeah, smaller. So I think he had like close to 700 hours when he got a job there, but wow. flying right seat. And then you wow. built up hours, so yep. and then you finally went over to NetJets when you had enough hours
1: to Man. interview with them. <laughs> that was that was what we mm-hmm. the few people that I'd talk to would always be like, do you want to do airline or do you want to do private? And I always like the idea of doing private. Yeah. Um because you're just flying a fancy plane with maybe yeah. one individual. Yeah, I did hear.
0: like plane they, they say it's like flying a Ferrari.
1: Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> There was, there, I can't remember if it was somebody at the airport or where <laughs> this happened, but somebody was telling me about, um, net jet pilots can tend to have a, uh, reputation yeah. where they fly. Mm-hmm. And there was one, as soon as the person that they were flying got off, they had to get the plane somewhere else. Yeah. So the pilots like vertical, <laughs> just, they just did a tra- takeoff and they just yeah. pushed this sucker because nobody else was in there. Right. So yeah, they pretended to be fighter pilots. I, I think. Yeah just a straight vertical takeoff mm-hmm. man what would that I just wonder what that would be like there was a guy that called it I was I was a. Uh, I answered phones for Huntington that was the the um the fancy luxurious uh awesome lifestyle that I went to from aviation was answering phones yeah. for uh banking customers but this mm-hmm. one guy called in and I saw what his job title was and it was like pilot for whatever whatever and I was like oh man you're a pilot he had graduated about the same time I would have Yep. And he said to me, because this is, again, financial crisis. Nobody can get a job. Nobody right. can do anything. Yeah. And this dude is like, man, be glad that you got out. I keep getting laid off. And then starting yeah. back over with seniority. He's like, I don't make enough money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have to keep moving. I've been in f- like three different cities in the last however many years. I don't remember the actual numbers. But yeah. he just sounded so demoralized. And I was like, well, maybe, maybe it all worked out.
0: Yeah, being a pilot is not the most glamorous life. I mean, you're on the road all the time, especially if yeah. you're away from family. Like most pilots end in divorce because
1: yep. of the stress. <laughs> yeah, could you I mean that's that's the thing so like we had so my wife and I we got married when I was twenty five, so that would have been that was that was probably maybe three years. Three or four years after I had stopped the program, maybe not even that long. Okay. Because we got married in two thousand and six. So yeah, it was probably like two or three years. But, like, I was, as soon as we got married, especially when we had kids, it was like, man, I wouldn't be able to have that lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. It's too much. So, it yeah. Too much strain on her. Right. But it was, it was a dream. I, I just, I remember going in, because you have, like, the, your your flight slots every time, so you're, you didn't have a whole lot of say over it, but you would, you would be on a schedule, so it, on a particular quarter, you would, your flight slot would be, say, 9 a.m. every day. Yeah. But I remember going in for, like, morning flights. When the sun had just been, like, coming up, it's a little bit misty and taken off. And Yeah, I always had the, the early morning slot. You did? Like, yeah. did you pick it? No, I had to do it by,
0: by not by choice. Not by choice. I was forced, I well, with my job, because I, I had an afternoon job, right, so yeah. I had to. So did the morning slot, and then I'd go over to OSU and do a couple classes, and I'd go to the job. And then I come home and study, and then the next day, do it all over again. Yeah, it's literally
1: like there was that period of time where it was sun up to sundown because you had your classes on main campus, but <clears> you had your flight time. And yeah. when you're doing, like, once once you get up through the initial phase of just learning to fly the plane, it's yeah. actually very intensive because you've got to check the weather, you yeah. need to know the weather, you got to gather all this information, the flight right. plan. So it's not like you're just going up and flying for fun for an hour. There's a lot of prep time that goes yeah. into it. And the
0: planes have been sitting down, especially in the winter it was it was sucked. Because it was yeah. like <laughs> you're the first one to use a plane, it's the planes have been outside. You gotta use this heater thing to, yeah. uh, to warm up the planes and then
1: Yeah, you, it would be like basically <clears throat> this giant contraption that you'd wheel out. I never actually had to do it. I'm okay. very thrilled about it, but you would you would take this big old contraption out and then you would there'd be like these Hoses that you'd yeah. stick up into the engine you'd turn this thing on it would heat up the engine for you right did you ever like have to de-ice or anything
0: there was frost sometimes you'd take the broom
1: and get the frost was, off the you used the broom yeah yeah there was like a frost broom <laughs> yeah not used for anything but the frost yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you'd get in there and it's just freezing cold and the other thing about airports is there's not a whole lot of big structures around them so the wind oh yeah just goes you feel the wind hammer for sure. on you yeah yeah and then you get in the plane, and the plane's cold because it's just made out of metal. It's not like yeah. Once you get it going, you'd warm up, but yeah. winter was the worst. Yeah, there's nothing green. All of the grounds brown. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have any scary times
0: when you were flying? Like close so, calls? Yeah,
1: there was. There there was a couple, and it was all. I think they were all takeoffs. Okay. But the one that the one that got me the most nervous is. I knew at some point during my pre-flight stuff, I'm pretty sure the plane was running, but I heard over the ground control uh, a pilot asking for clearance to go, and I knew that it was a, a private jet, and I didn't want to have the same timing where we're going at the same time because they uh, they're far more expensive to fly. So they they get the right of way for everything. Yeah. But I remember where it ended was I was at the the spot right before you Mm -hmm. get to go onto the runway to take off where you're doing like your run ups and everything. Yeah. And this learjet whatever comes taxiing, he gets the right of way, and I know I'm gonna go right after him. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, well all the what do they call that? Wake turbulence. Yes, wake turbulence. So I was like, I'm gonna have to deal with this weight turbulence. Mm. So uh i i got into position it was and I, somebody else was coming too so they were like they didn't they were like you got to go now so i i got i taxied my little 152 after this mm-hmm. big old plane had gone and i run up and i go and i think it was about 50 feet up i hit the weight turbulence oh, and man. it dropped like i felt myself drop so i just i nosed over a little bit and then it, i caught my lift back but that scared oh yeah the heck out of me right yeah. there right did you have any
0: scary? Uh, yeah, a few times. <laughs> More than once, yes. More than once, yeah. Uh, I think what, the first one that comes to, remember, uh, to memory is like uh, my first cross country. Okay. Um, I, went, I was taking off. I was going towards Dayton. I don't remember what airport I was going to, but I think I had to be at least 15 nautical miles or something. Uh-huh. And I take off, and you're using you know, the map, and you're looking down, and following along just fine and then like some clouds start coming like in the area like mm-hmm.
1: below me okay yeah yeah we don't so, want that because you're you're flying visual at yeah, this point not visual yeah. so
0: there were like a few it's like okay i can still see the ground i'm, I'm good i'm still within the rules but then they start getting more and more cluttered and i'm like all right i'm gonna have to turn around <laughs> so i'm looking where i'm at and i look up and a plane goes right perpendicular to me like no so close way. that I can see like the guy's face, like no the reaction. Way. Yeah.
1: Oh my. I gosh. Like,
0: wow. I was like three seconds away from a mid-air collision. Oh my gosh,
1: that is scary. <laughs> yeah. That's like a. That's like a. What, do you remember the plane at all? Was it like high wing, low wing?
0: Uh, I don't remember. All I remember is seeing his <laughs> <Yes>. face. <laughs> we both had the same reaction. I'm yeah, sure. Like,
1: where did you come from? <laughs> yeah unreal yeah so like let me let me lay, lay a couple things out there so like when when you are flying like you can see further obviously cuz you're up in the air but it is really hard to pick stuff out yeah like especially another aircraft if it's moving if you're if you're oh there goes the ice maker good job <laughs> um, if you're above them to a certain point then their your your ability to see them is messed up because you how would you how do I even word this you see, you see the ground, right? So it's not like you're even looking at clear sky and you see a speck. It's like, oh, there's, there's a weird movement there, but you have no idea if that's an aircraft or not. And, like, when you go on these long cross-country flights, you're not talking with air traffic control anymore. Yeah, That's an important distinction to make because when you're in an airline, they're always in contact with somebody, yeah. I believe.
0: You're always in radar, so you always know what planes are around. So. Yes.
1: But well, on these all, cross-country yeah. flights, not the case. Yeah. you got to look for your own traffic, know where you're at. Yes. Which, yeah, that's mm-hmm. so Like when we're on these cross-country flights, especially when you're doing it by visual stuff, um, that's called visual flight rules. And so it's a whole set of laws and guidelines on how you're allowed to fly. And if you don't follow those guidelines, you can get in trouble. That's why if Ben had been out flying and the conditions mm-hmm. worsened to the mm-hmm. point where he was flying by uh, instruments, but he wasn't on an instrument flight, he could get fined. He would get in big trouble. So... Um, He was flying by visual uh, rules, not instrument rules. So that's one distinction. So when you're doing that on a cross country flight, you have your flight maps, uh, flight maps you buy, and they only cover a certain Mm -hmm. area. So if you plan your flight, you need to make sure you have the right updated flight maps, and it's your job to pick. Mm-hmm. your, your reference. So like about everything, I think the rule of thumb was like what? Five nautical miles, every five nautical yeah, miles. like that. So out. you're looking at landmarks on the ground. Yep. So, which you know from the maps. Right. So like, okay, there's, should be an antenna here. Yeah. Um, there's a railroad. There's a railroads lake. Railroads good. Or a lake. Yep. Yeah. And so like, if you uh, get off of your course a little bit, if yeah. you didn't plot your course correctly, you could end up five miles south of what you're expecting. So you have to be really good at not just looking for one thing. Otherwise you get lost. And then if you get lost, Mm -hmm. you don't know where an airport is and you don't even really know how to get back. Did you ever get disoriented like that on a flight?
0: Yeah. um, They kind of cross cross country flights. Yeah. There were some times where I was like, I'm not sure if this is the right landmark or not. Yeah. So you go and you go a little bit longer and you're like, okay, here's the, here's the next landmark that looks like what I was planning, So, yep. But I've heard some students who did actually did get lost. And I think one one story I heard was someone did a cross country, end up in the Dayton airspace and they couldn't get a hold of her. And oh. <laughs> they had to stop, do a ground stop until,
1: until she got through it. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, like to, to, to Ben's point, if you don't know where you are, there's lots of airports and airports have airspace around them to a certain extent. It just depends on the airport. So you're not allowed to fly into mm. certain airspace. So if you I mean you don't even have to think through that, I don't think really to understand the implications. But if you're in a tiny little Cessna and you end up in Columbus Airport's airspace and they can't get a hold of you, that is a giant no no. Yeah. Because especially if they can figure out who you are, you're probably looking at who knows what. I remember one time I I broke like taking off at Don Scott if you go too high at certain areas of Don Scott, you will break uh, Port Columbus's airspace, and I did that one time. Yeah, I don't remember what the deal was, but I I got up to five hundred feet. Yeah, they couldn't contact me, so I had a lovely message waiting for me when I got back <laughs> to sure. the flight school. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's it's so fun. Um, those cross country flights, I remember just in particular them being so fun because of that level of challenge. Because exactly. you need to know. Um, how much the weather might change. I just, I remember probably planning how many, how many, what do you, what, what do you think the percentage of flights that you planned that you ended up having to cancel? I feel like that's a high percentage, 50 to 60%. Yeah. I would say, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. I would always get so frustrated mm-hmm. at that because you collect all your weather data. Mm-hmm. you wake up early. Sometimes you'd wake, I'd wake up at like 5 a.m. to start collecting the weather because yeah. I'm trying to leave at like a, an 8 or a 9. Yeah. Collect all my weather data. Everything's looking okay, and then the weather turns once you get to the airport. Yeah. There's one thing people know about me. It's that I like my sleep. So if I lose sleep and I wake up early, it better be for a good reason. Right. I just remember how discouraging that was. Yeah, fog was the other thing. Like
0: it wasn't forecast. I mean, you can't forecast fog, but you yeah. <laughs> wake up and it's like fog and I'm like, "Great."
1: Yeah. Yeah, you can't. So like one of the one of the things for the visual flight rules is that if there is fog, you have to be able to see, I don't remember the mileage. It's like you have to be able to at least see a half of a mile or a mile. But when you're talking about like being in an airplane in an airport, that 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 distance that's required actually seems very 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 small so yeah you wake up and it's a little bit foggy and then you get all the way to the airport yeah and you don't have enough visibility to right. go Yep. Yeah. and then you get a grumpy instructor yeah you're both you're both grumpy because right. they don't get paid if they don't fly right so if they're expecting to fly with you and then you have to cancel yeah i don't remember how we contacted them was that by cell yes
0: g- cell phones yeah
1: yeah, I guess I did have a cell phone back then. I didn't get a cell phone until late in my college career because I couldn't afford it because mm-hmm. of flight school and being a poor I think college there was text student.
0: messages back then. I remember when text messages started. But yeah, the, like, just uh, like the
1: little, yeah, little the, things. Yeah, I forget what it was called. Now people know how old we are. Yeah, <laughs> 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 Although I think I probably already gave that away with a few things. So yeah. anyway, Um yeah, so mm. this this has been slightly the sad tale of uh two two gentlemen that had a dream of being pilots and it did not pan out for either of us. But at mm. least we can say we know somebody who did. That's right. Nate Spark are out there somewhere <laughs> flying and you just happen to hear this podcast. Good job, my friend. Good job. I'm trying to think if there was anything I wanted to ask you. Um because yeah, like I don't I don't foresee myself ever flying again. It was like just to get back into it the amount of money that you'd have to drop oh yeah just to get back to current yeah just to get to current you'd have you have to get the instructor sign off you have to do the you have to get a medical oh yeah the medical the medical <laughs> um then who knows how long it would take you to get back to like yeah, standard proficient yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, because you'd have to go prove that you can do all your power-on stall recovery. That yeah. was my least favorite. I didn't mind, like, a normal stall, but, man, a power-on stall. Yeah, they can be violent sometimes. Yeah, there was something about them that just freaked me out every time. Yeah. Even when I thought I was I – never, I never had – like, when, you, when it comes to all the maneuvers, I think that's one thing that I really appreciate about OSU is they didn't let me do a solo until that instructor was, like, super confident. Yeah. But you have to go out and you have to do a lot of these maneuvers that you've learned – when you're flying by yourself and then you got to log it. Cause that's part of all of what you log. But I remember being by myself doing my first power on stall and it did not go very well. Yeah. I don't remember the details, but I just mm-hmm. did not feel very good about my recovery or anything. So yeah. I, I just did one and then I was done with that maneuver Yeah, for the day. What was your least favorite aspect of flying? I think I'm curious to know that.
0: Um, uh, like doing maneuvers in like a windy conditions were challenging.
1: Yeah, that's um, true.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, the stalls weren't my favorite either. Uh, I think one of my first stalls with an instructor, I was uncoordinated and the, like the wing like tipped down, like was getting ready to spin and I would recover from that one. From <laughs>
1: yeah, but, I that used to, I used to like mm-hmm. my I think my instructor used to get frustrated because it would be like one day, especially if we were working on power on stalls and I wasn't doing very good. Like it'd be like I'd have to do them three days in a row. Yeah, and my my instructor would get frustrated because one day I would constantly like like power on stall fall to left yeah and like i would just keep making that mistake and then the next time it'd be i'd be falling to the right you oh, like, right. i don't know if this is just you or if this is the plane we're in yeah um and then finally i started getting it getting it right yeah. um but yeah that's it so what are what are your words of wisdom to anybody who's thinking about becoming a pilot getting into aviation I would say, I mean, if you if that's really what
0: you do, make sure that you know you're financially prepared for it. Um, yep. And yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of a lot of time and effort that goes into be, becoming a pilot. A lot of knowledge you have to study a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of rules and regulations, and you have to like being you know tested because every. As a pilot, you have to be tested, you know, maybe twice a year, either in a simulator or in the airplane. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you have to be not afraid of being tested all the time. Yeah. Um, and make sure you know, like, what path you want to take. Like, once you have your qualifications, how are you going to get to the next level? Yep. Uh, whether that's flight instructing or banner towing or cargo, single engine cargo or aerial, aerial photography or... Mm-hmm. Some way, And you have to realize that you're not going to get paid like right away, like yep. the big money. Yeah. Right? It's going to take, you know, maybe 10 years before you get to that level. Yeah. So just be prepared
1: for that. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I remember all, the studying was super nuts because you have to learn so many different things. You got to learn like weather, how weather works. You have yeah. to learn the, you mentioned it, the legal stuff, all mm-hmm. the rules and regulations. So you have to like, we had to read and study and know like aviation mm-hmm. law, not, yeah. not to the degree a lawyer would, but still yeah. like more than what maybe a person would not, maybe be ready. And then you need to know that you need to understand the physics of flight. Right. So you have to learn that stuff. You have to understand the mechanics of, of the plane. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's so much knowledge. It's, it's, it, it yeah. was so fun, but man, it was so much to learn. And yeah, the financial thing is definitely the biggest. I think if I could do it over again, I think I would have done something similar. In between maybe Columbus State and Ohio State, maybe take two years, which two years is a long time when you're that age, so right. I didn't want to do this, but take a year or two and just go get a job. If you can live with your parents, bank that money right. and pay for it that way. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, honestly, I almost, believe, I almost wish that I had gotten a different, I had majored in something else done that on the side, almost like what you did, going to Bolton and like where it's not like a university thing. Yeah. I'll just pay as I go. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been nice. Maybe I would have figured out sooner that it wasn't very realistic. Yeah, but man, it was sure fun. All those days getting in those airplanes and it was fun doing all those flights. And they have a simulator now over by by the airport. It's called like uh, Take Flight Ohio. Yeah, because, you know, apparently that's what I'm doing for my birthday.
0: Yeah, I got one uh, a, a gift certificate from uh, for Christmas. So yeah,
1: yeah. Have you gone yet? I've not gone yet. Oh so man, I'm
0: just waiting for the time.
1: Yeah, I think I'll probably be going the next couple of weeks, so I'll let okay. you know. Yeah, let um, me know how that how that goes. Yeah, I'm very I'm very curious if it's going to feel like uh, yeah. an airline simulator. Yeah, or, or or something else. But man, the the technology that goes into those things is so realistic. I just yeah. I. I can imagine being shocked. There's nothing to replace the real thing. No. I'm going to say that. But no. yeah, the the fa- I the, the whole process is really what I remember. That's the nostalgia for me. So, the all of the flight planning mm-hmm. going into and then getting that just that isolated mm-hmm. time in the mm-hmm. air uh was amazing and like just the fact that you can you can sit in a cockpit, know what everything is that you're looking at. Know how it all works, and then you can you can fly yeah. as a human being. Like you, you literally just take. Like I mentioned it earlier on the podcast, but the taking off sensation and the landing. But there's just something about taking off, and you're 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 going up, and like you're you're watching the ground fall uh, below you, and you're the one that's in control. You're talking to air traffic control. You're following their instructions. You're telling them what you're doing, where you're going, and then. And then you're off. Yeah. And then you're looking at the ground and lakes. Depending on if you get to go on one of the long cross-country things, you're not just looking at farmland. Mm-hmm. You actually get to see sites you don't even know what you're going to see, water yeah. towers. <laughs> I always like night flying, I think, the
0: best because it's so peaceful. And... Oh,
1: night flying. Yeah. How have we not even talked about that uh, yet? Yeah, yeah. Tell us about night flying.
0: Night flying is this awesome. I mean... I, don't know, I always remember just going up there, you know, when you're flying solo or by yourself, you just go up there and you just, you don't really need, like, if, even if you're flying visual flight rules, you can yeah. just see, like, the next city, like, way out in the yeah. distance. So you don't even look at anything. You just go straight towards the lights. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so Some ways it's almost easier. The night flying, easy. like, long night flying. Yeah. Is, I remember I did a night flight up to Cleveland.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And, uh, yeah, just like you described, it, it's basically like you take off from Columbus. You look for lights to the north. That's Delaware. Yep. And you keep going, like, there's Mansfield. Yep. And, like, you literally just... Actually, I think we followed 71. Because you you basically follow 71, the lights, to, like, highways and stuff. You can follow that. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's... there. Yeah, man, I can't even believe I didn't even think of that until you said that. But, yeah, the night flying, looking at the lights is so peaceful, especially if the stars are out.
0: Yeah. Whew. And it's like calmer weather. It's like smooth and
1: yeah, yeah. The wind is so like that's the thing. Like so, the sun comes up and it really can like churn up the weather. Yeah. But yeah, once the sun goes down, it it is very, very peaceful flying. Yeah. Where did you? Where did you? What was your furthest night flight? I think mine was Cleveland.
0: I'm trying to think where we. I, I think
1: I flew maybe to Dayton and back. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds about right. We had a massive headwind when we came back. I was with a instructor, but we we were coming back from Cleveland. We got there super fast, yeah, uh, tailwind. Mm-hmm. But then when we turned around, we'd look down at the ground and it was just yeah going at a snail's pace. I think we were in one fifty two, which is a oh yeah, it's it's the engine. I think I don't I don't even remember like ah. there was no concern with gas or anything like that, right? Um, what other what other aspects of flying were you I really enjoyed moving from the 152s to 172s. I started taking those a lot because I liked the engine power. Yeah. Uh, that was my only other option, really. Yeah, I mean, I started
0: in 172. I did not like flying the
1: 152s because nope. I was just
0: so used to the power of the 172. Yeah. It was just like, the controls felt more mushy and... Yeah, mushy. That you yeah. are like tight. You know, were, <laughs> and I'm kind of a tall guy, so like... With another tall instructor, you're in there like flying like this.
1: <laughs> like, there was at least one dude who couldn't even, he was just a larger person. He yeah. could not even fit in a 152. Yeah. He was there when I started. I think we were all like starting off together. <clears throat> and he had, I don't remember the price difference between the two, but it was noticeable. Mm-hmm. So, like if, if you were trying to not spend all of your money, you would take the 152s. But there was one dude, he couldn't. He was yeah. in a 172 straight out of the gate. Yeah. I remember I got to take several people flying. Mm-hmm. Did you ever take anybody? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I got to take her. Oh, did you? Yeah.
0: I haven't taken Kristen. I mean, I haven't been flying since I met Kristen. But this
1: was when I was still at the school. Okay. We weren't even dating yet. We just oh, really? knew each other. Yeah. Okay. But that probably that probably That's influenced still the deal your, for you. your decisions. Maybe a little. <laughs> <laughs> She's literally like, "I don't care, Lance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I married you not for flying. No, it was clearly. cool. It was cool. It was cool. Okay. Cool. Yeah. It's okay." True. I mean, there wasn't anything like really great to see. It's not like you're flying. We're flying over the Grand Canyon or anything. We're flying no. over cornfields. Right. It's Columbus. Yeah. Is yeah. it? It wasn't even like in spring. I don't think. I think it was like no. either yeah, winter or fall. Were. Yeah. But still, I'm, I'm giving myself points. <laughs> you are. Is anyway. You
0: ever go to 152 and fly backwards because of the wind? No,
1: I never had that experience. Yeah, I got I, to do that once. I remember a couple of people. We basically, I think we got to the point where we were not moving. Okay. I think that's as close as we got. So yeah, yeah. If, you, if you fly into the wind in a 152, if it's a strong enough wind, you can cut the power back enough that you're not moving forward and that the wind is just pushing you. So it's basically all of your lift is coming from the headwind. Yeah. So you did that. Yeah
0: weird experience <laughs> <No> <laughs> like doubt. this should not be happening this is not
1: this is not how it's, that's like repelling or something like walking backwards off of a cliff it doesn't yeah. make sense in your mind right um, that's awesome well uh, I just oh wow we are at time this this uh, this has been a really good conversation mm-hmm. Ben I'm really thankful for you coming on and talking so I can reminisce yeah same for me it's been yeah good to talk aviation again yeah there's you can't talk about it with anybody that hasn't experienced it right and the years that you put into it and even the leading up to it i mean all that i remember being at columbus state like the end goal was to get into an airplane so when i actually got into an airplane and i was flying when i hit that solo mark and when i got my private pilot's license that was those achievements i mean you went further so like those achievements it's when you stop and remember it's like man yeah i did do that yeah and it That's a a dang good feeling. It is. The people that I sit next to at work, they kind of think it's cool, I think. Um, But, yeah, we never talk about it, so I really appreciate you coming on. Um, Folks, I really appreciate you listening. I hope you enjoyed listening about aviation, just two dudes talking about aviation. But uh, I do want to point you to Ben's uh, awesome business, uh, tennis's Dream Vacations Ben tennis dream vacations. Ben tennis dream vacations. We'll have it all in the descriptions wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go look for it. Get ready to go on a vacation. We've been cooped up for a year. Even if it's just like doesn't have to be anything grand. You don't have to go I don't know to overseas or whatever like but you know figure out what you can do. Maybe you don't even know how to get started planning a vacation. So con- get in contact with Ben. Do you have an Instagram account or anything like that? I do. Okay, yeah. you can same, give us all that. Same name, yeah. Same name, yeah. Okay. So we'll have all that down there uh, in the description section wherever you're listening. Um, So thank you, sir. Yeah, thanks, Lance. It was fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, everybody, for listening. See you next time.